This is OPI Talk, the voice of the business products industry. Hello and welcome to this episode of OPI Talk with me, Andy Braithwaite. Now, as this podcast goes out at the end of July 2021, we are right in the middle of the quarterly earnings reporting season. And many businesses are seeing strong improvements versus last year when earnings were hit by COVID lockdowns. And one such company is Aco Brands, where organic growth was more than 20% year on year, with the EMEA region growing by over 50%. About an hour after Aco's analyst conference call had finished, I had the opportunity to speak with CEO Boris Ellisman about the company's results and some of the trends he is seeing. Topics we covered included Brexit, supply chain issues, back-to-school replenishment, local manufacturing, the recovery in the B2B channel, continued growth in the e-commerce channel, opportunities in the wellness category, and learning to live with COVID despite the rise of the Delta variant across many parts of the world. And we managed to pack all that into just 20 minutes. Firstly, congratulations on, on, on a strong quarter. The, the analysts were were pretty impressed and uh, sounds like you even exceeded your own expectations uh, this, this quarter. Yes, we have. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, it was, it was a very strong quarter. Yeah. Any, any comment on, on why you, you beat your own internal expectations? You, you know, I think, I think we had stronger than expected recovery throughout. Um, EMEA uh, did better. Uh, international did better, uh, despite still sporadic lo- lockdowns throughout that mm. uh, that region for us. And North America did better on the commercial side. The the, the um, retail school side came in as expected. Mm. Power came in as expected, but the commercial side did better. You know, offices are reopening schools. You know, in Q2 we still had uh, schools in session, and many more schools were um, mm. meeting person in the commercial side, which buys our school laminators, uh, did well. So, so overall it was a, you know, obviously a, a strong quarter, uh, given, you know, 21% organic growth and 41% uh, overall growth. Uh, and we just, uh, didn't expect such a strong bounce back from, uh, from a year ago. Was it clearly tied to the return, the physical return to, to the workplace and schools being, being open as well? Uh, we think so. Uh, that that's really the from a year ago. That's the major difference. You know, our work from home products, our computer products, uh, have done well throughout. Our art products, Derwent, have done well throughout. So it's not a such a huge swing for them from uh, from a year ago. Uh, but the commercial channel really put the brakes on last Q2 in the midst of government mandated shutdowns. Uh, so the sales were down substantially a year ago, uh, and uh, with reopenings uh, and economic growth and, and more business and consumer confidence, we, we saw a strong rebound in the commercial channel compared mm. to a year okay, ago. Okay, we'll come on to that in a, in a, in a, in a, in a second. I'll start with the EMEA, because that looked like it had a fantastic quarter, up up more than 50%, I think, on an orga- organic basis, and then you backed back to pre-COVID levels there. 
or even exceeding pre-COVID levels. I don't know if you can give any more colour on that and were there any particular markets or product categories that stood out there? Clearly, we're taking share. Um, you know, clearly, I don't believe the market overall is growing at 54%, which is what our business uh, what our business did. Uh, and um, reading actually some of the uh, news commentary from OPI, uh, it seems like uh, many European uh, channel customers don't expect a return to pre-pandemic levels until the end of 22. Mm. So the fact that we are um, at that level or exceeding that level um, in uh, in the middle of 21, uh, clearly I believe we're doing better than the market overall. So we're taking significant uh, share. I think you know I think our teams are doing a great job. I think our brands, uh, which are strong brands in EMEA. Um, really resonate in an uncertain environment. I think people tend to go to things they know mm. when things are uncertain. The fact that we were open uh, throughout the pandemic and serviced our customers when they needed us most, I think got us some incremental channel loyalty. And uh, uh, as a result, uh, as a result, uh, gain market share. So, you know, all of those things, um, uh, played a hand in our strong uh, strong quarter. Uh, it was strong throughout. I can't, you know, it, uh, pretty much every category grew, uh, and um, you know, every region did well, especially Central, which is uh, Germany, Switzerland, mm. and traded exceptionally well. Uh, but Eastern Europe did well as well. The only region that uh, kind of continues to have a little bit of ups and downs is uh, UK and Ireland. Uh, and I think just the uh, the Brexit continues to uh, make that uh, uh, a little bit uh, more volatile, a little bit weaker. I was going to ask you about that. Whether that is a a, a, he- a headache for you? I mean, how you how do you organise your your UK distribution to try and offset or at least limit some of the impacts of, of Brexit? We we have two distribution centres, two big distribution centres in Europe. Well, we have we have we have more kind of regional. But I'm talking about we have a very large distribution center in Germany that serves primarily the continental European market, mm. and then have one in uh, Helsingen in, in the Midlands, uh, serving uh, UK and Ireland. And uh, we used to uh, use that primarily as a regional center, so we would ship in bulk to uh, our German center, and then we would cross ship to uh, Helsingen. Uh, on an as-needed basis, uh, but given Brexit, we had to actually ship separately mm. uh, because the the delays were too too long, the bureaucracy was too long. So we're actually shipping uh, directly from uh, our factories wherever they are, directly to uh, Helsingen. Um, you know, obviously that that helps with product availability, but um, it does drive a little bit of an additional cost because you're not shipping in optimum uh, uh, quantities. So uh, I don't think that's an issue just for us. That's the uh, issue that uh, I think the UK consumer will have to struggle yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, there, there, there are trade-offs uh, in that. You know, and plus, uh, as, as I'm sure you know, uh, the cases in, in the UK specifically have spiked uh, recently significantly. Uh, so obviously that, that drives some uh, you know, consumer changes, consumer behavior. Um, they were uh, not open for quote unquote business until the middle of uh, July, really. So if you look at Q2, um, yeah. you know, COVID still affecting 
UK to a significant sure. extent. So all of those obviously have an impact on our channel partners and our sales. Yeah. Okay, good. Looking at North America, and if you take Power A out, out of the equation, the comparable sales figure is still quite a, a way below the 2019 number, whereas in EMEA, you're, you're there or thereabouts, or even slightly, slightly above that. What, what's that? Is that the, just a channel mix issue that you're more heavily, heavily reliant on that, that commercial channel in North America? No, that's not, that's not the primary reason. The primary reason is actually uh, school. Um, if you look at this year, uh, the the our retail channels are still carrying a lot of inventory from last year, so they're not reordering uh, mm-hmm. at the normal rates. They they're going to sell what they had from last year, plus the stuff they're going to get this year. But we will not be in a uh, normalized uh, situation until 2022. Yeah. Um, so if you look at our Retail sales, they were below a year ago Q2 because uh, the channel is sitting still sitting on a bunch of inventory. Even though everybody's expecting a good back-to-school season and significant growth back to school, they just don't need the inventory since they have so much from last year. Yeah. You said that replenishments for back-to-school, you're hoping for, for, for good replenishments in Q3 and maybe going into Q4. A, a caveat to that is you're getting products in for, from Asia. You mentioned on the earnings call about having localized production, which might help you be able to replenish customers when others perhaps can't. You just remind us where these production facilities are located. Is it Mexico and the US primarily? For North America, uh, we have um, three facilities, three major facilities in the US and one in Canada, Mm. where we manufacture, you know, probably around half of the products that we supply during back to school. So if it's those products that uh, need replenishment, we obviously can conserve them significantly faster than having to ship them from, from Asia. I mean, you can't really replenish from Asia. Given, given the supply chain situation right now, if uh, our customers need products that are sourced from Asia, it's, it's too late. Yeah. Uh, so really the opportunity is to replenish with the products we manufacture uh, locally. How easily are you able to ramp up production in, in North America if you have to? We have the capability. We have the raw materials, and, and if the orders come in, uh, we're able to um, respond in a very short period of time. You know, as 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 you and your listeners probably know, uh, the back to school season is fairly short, uh, so b- being able to supply and you know quickly is, mm. is 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 critical. Yeah. When when you look at these supply chain issues, do you ask yourselves whether it's worth re- repatriating some some manufacturing back in, into North America for the for the longer term or not or not? How do you view that? I, I think we will have to we we are and we will have to continue to look at our footprint. Uh, you know, some of these issues are probably shorter term in nature, uh, but some of them are probably longer term in nature. It seems like the world is uh, becoming more nationalistic and there are additional trade barriers going up pretty much everywhere. Uh, so, you know, we, we will have to review where we do our manufacturing. You know, today, about 40% of our products are manufactured locally in the countries where we sell, mm. and about 60% are, uh, are imported. Uh, you know, when we have to, we used to be at 50-50. So when we have to um, review and rejigger where we um, mm. do 
of manufacturing just to make sure we have the appropriate balance between lead times and cost and quality and service for our customers. Now, you called out the rebound in your commercial customers. Was that pretty much across the board? It was across the board, yes. Mm. And with the different customer types, for example, the independents and the wholesalers and the the large resellers, were there any notable differences between them? No, I mean, everybody did well. I mean, I think it is it is a just a function of compares. Mm. You know, last year, everybody just shut everything down. Uh, there was so much uncertainty in Q2, uh, plus these government mandates to uh, close non-essential businesses. Um, so, you know, compared to that, uh, sales were up significantly. Our commercial channel sales were up 70% from, from a year ago. Uh, so, so very, very significant and, and across the board. Independence did well, um, OSS did well, wholesalers did well. So it, it, it was very, very broad. Yeah. How do the numbers compare to two years ago, for example? They're still below. Mm. Yeah, they're still below. You know, and I expect them to be low. I think, you know, if you look at the latest Castle survey for office reopenings uh, for uh, U.S., for example, they're at about 35%. So it, it's going to take a while. Um, mm. uh, this is not a, you know, quick turnaround. We, 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 we believe it'll be a, a slow and steady recovery. Um, so uh, we think that uh, we have appropriate tailwinds uh, behind our business because of uh, where we are, but it will take um, it will take probably a couple of years for commercial channels to normalize. Mm, okay, interesting. What, what about the pure e-commerce channel? I didn't see any any, any numbers called out on the call. Uh, you've, I think I think you've done that before. How, how, how did the e-commerce perform? E-commerce continues to do well. Uh, Amazon did well. We saw huge growth in Europe specifically with uh, regional and country-specific e-commerce players in Europe. They took, obviously, uh, a lot of share over the last year, but the growth is sustained. They're not uh, seeding that growth, uh, given that retail is now now open. Um, so uh, we do, you know, we do think that the growth that we're seeing in e-commerce will continue in the future. We don't think there'll be a, you know, a snapback. Okay. I was going to say, if you, if you might see it level level off to some degree. Yeah, it will level mm. off, obviously, uh, but we don't think it will go back to previous levels. Mm. Uh, habits have been formed and people will stay with their with their habits going on a go-forward basis. Yeah, yeah, which is putting pressure on other, other channels to up their e-commerce game as well. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Did you do anything special for Amazon Prime Day that happened near the end of end of the quarter? Did that have an impact? Yeah, we had we had uh, promotions running uh, through Prime Day. It also it also coincides with the uh, normal back to school launch on Amazon. So we saw a big lift in uh, SKUs that we were promoting, mm. uh, and Amazon continues to do extremely well. You know they're they're very large in size, and they continue to grow uh, double digits. Uh, for us globally, which is which is very very impressive. Uh, you know, usually the law of big numbers works against you, but uh, right now it hasn't caught up with Amazon yet. Okay, good. When you look at something like the the wellness category, obviously that's that's a it's a, a newer category, relatively speaking, for you, and that seems to be doing well with your True Sense brand. When, when you look at the go to market strategy for for True Sense, for example, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's been largely a, a direct to consumer strategy 
that you've had on that? Is that is that fair? In the U.S., it's a about half of sales are direct to consumer, and half of the sales are through primarily through Amazon, but other uh, other uh, e-tailers as well. In other regions, it's a different strategy because other channels are are better suited to carry these types of products. So, for example, uh, in Europe, a lot of DIY shops are carrying out uh, uh, products such as Bauhaus. Um, so, uh, in in Europe, I would say uh, it's it's much more skewed towards a channel sale, and there is no there's no direct uh, sale in Europe. It's 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 Amazon and Channel uh, who are who are doing the um, uh, the selling in Europe. And if I look at our international uh, segment, it's also primarily channel with a little bit of direct. So it really depends on uh, how things are structured, what the channel structure is in an individual country mm. that uh, allows us both to reach the consumer as well as, you know, we have to make money uh, selling and, and, yeah. and the customer has to make money, the channel has to make money. So we have to solve all of those issues. Okay. I was just wondering if there was any opportunity in the commercial channel, for example, for, for True Sense, especially in terms of you know, return to the office, a bit more awareness of the need to have clean air and clean office environment, whether that might present some opportunities in, in the B2B channel. Oh, we, we think absolutely that's the case. The product that we have right now, the, the current version of TrueSense, it's really geared more for home. Uh, we are selling some uh, to schools and we're selling some to small offices through the commercial channel. Mm. Uh, so it is open for the commercial uh, channel sales, but it's really not optimized for uh, for offices. We're going to be introducing new SKUs that are uh, targeting offices and targeting small businesses, and, and, and those particular products will, will, will absolutely go through the commercial channels. Mm. Okay, great. Just, just to finish off, you've raised your outlook for the rest of the year. I think you said you had better visibility for, for, for the second half. I mean, how confident are you that there won't be for example, you know, further lockdowns and further office closures due to these you know, Delta variants and other things like that, which we're seeing. As confident as any forecast is, <laughs> it, is, it, is it is a forecast after all, and it's not a certainty. But we are, we are uh, assuming that there'll be a, a slow and steady recovery. And, you know, and if, you read, uh, if you read business press and commentary from um, other executives or from the Fed, that that's what they expect as well. Nobody knows for sure, and uh, uh, there will be some uh, impact from the Delta variant. Uh, you know, we we saw that some of the businesses that were supposed to go back in September have announced that they won't be going back till October. But but all of that should have a uh, a, a small effect uh, on sales. You know, I think the the consumer is getting used to. Uh, and businesses are getting used to living with COVID. Uh, COVID is not going away. And, um, you know, over time, it seems that it's having less and less effect on the change in the economic behavior of the, of the consumer. And certainly that's, that's what we hope for, and that's our expectation. You know, the big drivers of demand for our products are schools, and we're very confident that schools will be going back in person, even if children will be wearing masks, as appears to be the case. Uh, given the experience of last year, nobody wants to go uh, remote. So even even 
uh, with the current uh, spike in cases, I have not seen any anybody say, well, we're going to go remote. Everybody's still committed to going in person. And then offices uh, are going to be in a hybrid mode, and that's our assumption. Our assumption that people will, will work from home as well as work from offices. We're not, you know, our outlook that does not anticipate that you know, everybody's going back into the office by the end of the year. So, uh, you know, obviously no certainty, but we feel good about the numbers that we provided. Okay. Yeah, we, we've seen localized snap lockdowns in some parts of Australia, for example, in recent weeks. When, when that happens, do you see an immediate impact on, on your own sales because of that? No, we don't. And that's, that, that's my comment. I think the world has learned how to live uh, in the current, uh, current environment. So we don't really see a significant effect on our sales when these things uh, happen. Uh, people have learned how to get product that they need uh, either to work from home or, you know, even during lockdowns, you're allowed to go to work. Um, so uh, we, we have not seen a significant effect on, on, uh, on sales. Okay, interesting. Right, Boris, thank you very much. Congratulations again on a, a strong set of results and good luck for the rest of the year. Thank you, Andy, and I look forward to speaking with you in the future. Thank you. If you have got this far, then thank you for listening to this episode of OPI Talk. Please check out our website, opi.net, for news, interviews, analysis, and much more from the business products world. We've also got a great app that you can download from the App Store or Google Play. Just search for OPI Magazine. And we hope you will join us again soon for another episode of OPI Talk.